fun to bring Gary Hill into the podcast. And originally, Curtis Rogers was going to be with us, but um, thanks to kids' different schedules, <laughs> it looks like it is just Gary and I. So hopefully that will do it for you. Um, there's a lot to talk about, and I think people will look at this, and while well, there haven't been moves, well, uh, I think there's a lot to get into on why there haven't been moves and what we could expect. And I think Gary brings in kind of a different perspective, both locally and globally in baseball and what we are seeing in this off season. But first off, Gary, what what the heck do you do in an off season? And as I look at you, <laughs> I'm even more intrigued because you're completely bundled up and you've got these wonderful baseball photographs behind you. Yeah, is this, my- this is truly your off season cave. This is, it's the off-season office. I, I feature the Roberto Clemente picture behind me. As you know, we, we saw the, the image in the Clemente Museum in Pittsburgh. So I love the imagery, all the different pictures from that museum. So I ordered one from, from the museum, and it hangs behind me, That's along with Satchel Page and an original Ken Griffey Jr. Henry Cotto picture from the kingdom. That is not senior out there. That is Cotto, who is also out there. Yeah, I am bundled up because our furnace went out. So we're on day four without heat, and we're trying to get it all figured out today. Haven't yet. So I look like I'm outside, but I'm inside (laughs) talking to you. Desperately (laughs) seeking a hot stove like everybody else is right now. (laughs) as, As it turns out, I would have been terrible on the frontier. Like, I need indoor heating. That's the thing. So that's what I've learned about myself. Yes. We went through that a few years ago with a windstorm, and I am a big fan of indoor (laughs) heating. Uh, And, you know, there's baseball talk with or without stove, with or without heat. So we'll see if we can manage. And I can't tell you to turn up the heat or throw another log in the fire because you are in your office, which I'm sure is the coldest room in the house. It is. It's so good, but it's worth it. Talking baseball with you is worth it, so it's it's fine. There we I'll go. make it. Just I'm sure I'll make it. Channel your inner broadcaster from April. When we come back from Arizona, right. we get up in that booth, which is the coldest spot in the entire stadium, <laughs> and off we go. So you have the gear. You have the portable heater, I'm sure, at least one. Or you steal Rick's. He's got like five. The only difference in the booth, and this is a great trick that I learned a few years ago, uh, uh, Heated seat warmer. Mm-hmm. That's the key to the April days in the booth. Heated seat. Well, I love how you did not share that with the back row. I remember being like, it was probably June when I was down in the front row. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? You have it? It's- Aaron has it? Nobody else. You just you didn't share on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it changes my whole life. It's everything. Oh because it, it is very cold early in the season. It is. It is. And uh, we'll be ready for it this year. We are seasoned veterans. We know how to deal with it. And I think the big question is, is what are we going to be looking at as a team? And uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, personnel wise, it's going to be very similar to what we closed out last season with. Yeah, it's going to look similar uh, with a couple of big differences, obviously, Teoscar Hernandez, which is going to be a huge bat in the middle. I love that move. Uh, Colton Wong, of course, uh, at second base as well, which should be a big upgrade. And I, I I, don't think they're done at this point. We'll see what else happens along the way, but there's certainly room to make some moves as well. But all in all, it's going to be especially – I mean, we talked about it going into this offseason. Like the pitching staff in general was always going to remain basically the same, and it has with the rotation coming in and 
the bullpen as well. So it's going to look a lot like it looked last year. So we'll see. We'll see what else happens before the season, though. I'm sure you, I know you're in your cave there, but you probably are very aware that there's kind of been a very vocal section of the fan base that has been surprised and kind of displeased that they didn't go after one of the big names that was out there. And, you know, it's funny, one of the things that there are a few things that I keep coming back to on that, and and Jerry DePoto has been very upfront. It has to be a good fit. Um. And, and just kind of some intrigue into the reasons why. I think if you take it back a year, uh, it, I think they were very much in on the big names. The Marcus Simeon, they desperately wanted to be in, and there was um, pushback on the other side. That turned out Scott Boris had other plans along those yeah. lines. But you knew that they could um, kind of play, kind of swim in that pool. This year, when you looked at the short stops, uh, it's a – some would say there's a need. The organization says not as much, and J.P. Crawford is their shortstop, which I think is worth exploring. I mean, they met commitment a year ago. They know who J.P. Crawford is, and I think that they are um, very much at peace with who he is if he is at his best, that you don't need to have the best-hitting shortstop, the biggest slugger at shortstop, that they like his defense. They like that he was taking steps forward, and they made the commitment to him moving forward that he is what they needed there. You know, there's never been any kind of hurry to – uh, if to to move on from that, and Depoto reiterated that that you know he didn't that wasn't a hundred percent. The door was open slightly, but J.P. Crawford is the shortstop. And the thing that got me, and I think it got a lot of people, is is that you do look at the middle infield and you know that the farm that is not an area of strength. It's an area of great mm-hmm. weakness. So there's there's not much. There's nothing close in the middle infield. So why not go after one of those big players? Big players have a lot to say about it. And, and, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. But the thing that kind of jumped out at me is a year ago when we're, we were in the off season, we were hearing a lot more. We have more concrete, you know, be it internal sources, be it external sources. The Mariners are really in on some of these. This year, I never heard that. I think it was more, well, they do like Trey Turner, but who doesn't like Trey Turner? Anything <laughs> as concrete. So there are times when I wonder that, you know, did the media, and I am part of that, or were we partly to blame for that expectation right there? Because it wasn't the same at all. I don't think they were ever truly very much in. They liked some of these players, but where it was going, uh, it wasn't the same as last year. And they've made some no, big I, commitments since then, too, I should go ahead and point out. Yeah, and I think you're right on that. It, it's really interesting. And you started this conversation talking about the portion of the fan base that is frustrated with that. And, you know, and I don't, I don't blame fans for that. In fact, I think with what the Mariners did last year, that they've raised expectations, which I think is a great thing. And so if fans are frustrated, I think it comes from passion, which is fine. I mean, we may disagree. and think the Mariners should go about things differently but that's fine that's but it comes from passion so I think that's a good thing I think uh they probably had a feel for where the market was going <laughs> and I think the market for players went in places they didn't want to go and it's interesting I think kind of peeling back and looking at this thing big picture it's interesting to see what teams are doing because we're at a spot right now where, where teams are building their teams very differently than one another. And just a few examples, like the Mets, obviously. I mean, it is all free agents. And Philadelphia, 
they built their core through free agency. Texas, they have been building their team through free agency. We saw the, you know, the Angels the last number of years around Trout trying to do it through free agency. And on the other side of things, we've seen teams like the Dodgers and Astros and Atlanta really build from within and, you know, smaller pieces from without and developing along the way. Not that they have shunned free agency completely. We saw the Dodgers sign Freeman last year, but, you know, a much shorter deal, six years, I think, and ends at age 37. So it's interesting to watch. And then the other teams by necessity, like Cleveland and Tampa Bay, they don't dabble in free agency very much. It's from within. So it's interesting to see just how different things are going right now. And I've always believed that you can't build a consistent winner through just free agency. Not that free agency is a bad thing. I think it's a great tool to fill spots, but I think it's really hard to build a winner through free agency. Philadelphia almost did it last year, winning a title with a free agency core. Uh, The Mets are going to test this theory this year by building basically their team through free agency. But I just think it's really hard. Uh, And the way I view it right now, I think the most important thing you can do in baseball is develop. Develop through your system and develop with guys from the outside. And I think two of the teams I've already mentioned, I think the Dodgers and Astros have been probably the best at that through the last number of years. And Dodgers, you know, guys like Justin Turner, Muncie, guys from without, and then their guys are from within as well. Bueller, their entire pitching staff, essentially. They've just done such a masterful job at that. And I think that's the direction and Jerry Depoto, Justin Hollander, they haven't uh, been secretive about that. They've talked about that. That's what they want to do. They want to develop. And we have seen signs of that from the Mariners, which is a good thing, especially on the pitching side. They have done a lot of developing within. We saw young pitchers last year, uh, Gilbert being one, George Kirby being another, but also guys from the outside. Uh, Most of their bullpen, Paul Seawald is probably the number one example of that sort of thing. So uh, it's interesting to see where this is all going with the Mariners and what kind of path they're going down and who they're mimicking and what we've seen the last few years. It feels like it's kind of shifted a little bit who they're mimicking, and I think some of the things are kind of going out on their own on too. But from Agreed. the start of the step back, I think it was one thing, although Houston has always kind of been in, in the sights there, and now it, it's a little bit different in what they are looking for or trying yeah. to mimic. Yeah, no, I, yes, I think that's exactly right. And just reflecting on what we've seen this off season, and it's been an, an interesting free agent class in that there were a few guys at the top, but it, I wouldn't say it was a, a deep free agent class. There were stars at the top. No, and, I mean, when you look at the outfield and your second best outfielder was, was Nimmo. Yeah. And part of that too, is when you see a contract like Julio's and, what the entire Atlanta starting lineup essentially. Holy cow. Yeah. When guys sign early, that takes them off the free agency market in five or six years or whatever it is. So it just thins things out a little bit down the road. It's obviously great for the team that uh, it's great for the Mariners that Julio signed. It's great for Atlanta that their entire lineup essentially signed, but it does thin things out down the road when free agency hits. It's when I, just look hard for me uh, to, to look at the Mariners and say, 
they should have signed player X to a 13-year deal. Because when 30-year-olds sign a 10-year deal, we know it's going to go bad. You know that. You just don't know when it's going to go bad. That's always the question. Is it going to be Albert Pujols who, you know, for his Angels time after the first year, just wasn't that guy. He was one of the greatest hitters baseball's ever seen, but he wasn't with the Angels for the most part. Or is it going to, or maybe Trey Turner for eight of those years is going to be an all-star and help lead the Phillies to a World Series. Like, you don't know the answer. You don't know when. You just know. I mean, is Andrew Bogart, has he played his best baseball? That's a legitimate you know, question. Or is it close best to it? Years, yeah, have his best years already happened with the Red Sox, or will he play at the same level for the next five? And that's the roll of the dice. The The interesting thing is, though, that I'm interested to see how this plays out, too, is moving forward. Like, are the Rangers out of the market now? Are the Phillies out of the market now? Are the Mets out of the market? Or will free agency continue with these teams? That That's the question, especially with the Rangers in the division. Like, are they going to keep spending at this pace, or are they just sunk if they don't develop around? That These are the interesting questions to me moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be it doesn't work out, and you've got a big sell-off a few years from now, and then the yeah. step back and then try – and redo it, or maybe they've done enough, you know, you right. or, or gotten close enough. I've got kind of a, a personal fear that I think they could trade some pitching and they could be in on Brian Reynolds. That's it. That's it. And they're being really aggressive. Because they you know, bought I, pitchers, and that's, you know, that's yeah. a strategy too. You can go out there and, you know, you can bulk up in areas, spending dollars, so you can move pieces to get something more specific that you need. Yeah, because they're better. The Rangers are definitely better. They remade the rotation, which was their biggest weakness. The question is, how much better have they been? Uh, have they gotten? And how much further did it have to go? I mean, if I if you were still asking me which roster, which franchise as a whole I'd rather have, I'd rather have the Mariners over the Rangers. I think yeah. they're in much better position moving forward. But Rangers are certainly better off this year than they were last year. The, the only question to me – and. I know there's always a segment of like, there shouldn't be budgets. You should just spend whatever you need. But the reality is every team except for the Mets have, <laughs> have a budget they're worth, they're working within. So you're trying to spend as wisely as possible. So a team like Texas, how much more room do they have? And that, that's always the question that we never know. Like I have no idea how much they're willing to spend moving forward. I want to get a little bit more into the strategy and kind of the changes that we've seen as far as the market goes, both free agent and trades. But I do want to hit on something here in, in that kind of playing off what you're saying right now is it really can turn into we're going to spend, spend, spend. And then if it doesn't work out, we're going to cut, 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 cut. You do see that quite a bit. And the Mariners clearly did not want to do that. The, the goal is to sustain winning, and that's a longer game. That is not something that gets usually fixed in three years. And that's the thing that I think that sometimes I don't know that the Mariners get enough credit for how quickly they turn this around. You've got to throw 2020 out. You had a two-month season and no minors. you got to throw that out. And maybe they didn't get there the way that they thought they would. But within two years of breaking down, you had back-to-back 90-win seasons. Not many teams do that. That does not happen very often. It usually takes a lot longer. Sometimes it doesn't happen. 
So along those lines, I think that perhaps they think they are very much on the right track in what they are doing and that the patience is, is part of it. I don't recall anyone saying that we want to return to the playoffs and win the World Series in the second year that we are back. And there, it's You don't know. It's very hard to win a World Series. And I do understand that you get that close and, oh, we just need a little bit more. Go for it. But how does that speak to the bigger picture in the sustaining winning, which is the ultimate goal. It's not just get there. It's not just win one. It's continue to do that. And that's system-wide. That's not just the big league team and the big league budget. That is system-wide. And I just, I, I don't think, I don't think there's enough credit for how quickly the Mariners got to the point where they're at right now. I think a little of that is taken for granted. Because I remember going in, we were talking Five-year plans, usually at that time. Seven-year plans is what got you there without any kind of guarantee in that. And they've moved quickly through this. They really did. And last year, like it should not get lost what happened last year just in terms of the development season. And this kind of year that Julio had, of course, was the rookie of the year. But to have... Gilbert and Kirby come up and be so good right out of the gates. And of course, Cal Raleigh, everything that he did as well. Those are a lot of big internal wins for the Mariners developmental wise. I mean, huge wins. It's hard to, as we've seen, I mean, forever, it was like Kyle Seeger internally, right. That was developed. that was a huge impact for the team. And then last year, the Mariners have four guys right in one season that had monster impacts and and that doesn't even count you know the Matt Brashes of the world and other guys like that who came through the system and certainly contributed uh, but just those kind of huge impacts they're getting from young guys and it's why I say development is the biggest key right now for teams and it's what the Mariners are trying to do it's not just developing the guys that are playing for you and your core. It's also developing the guys you're trading away to get other pieces you need. See Luis Castillo. Uh, this way, it does put pressure on you as an organization. Like you have to keep it going. You have to keep developing. You have to keep churning them out. That's, that's the thing. You can't, you can't hit a, a spell where you just, you're not developing guys anymore. If you're relying on it, that's you're relying on your systems. That's what you have to keep doing. And so far, so good for the Mariners. It's been really great to see. And it's not just the headliners, which is nice. You know, you want the Julios of the world, but it's the guys like Penn Murphy as well, right? The, the low draft pick, never a headliner in the system yet comes up last year. And at times was, the most important your guy in your bullpen when the bullpen is really struggling. So it's not just the headliners. It's the other guys like that to fill up the roster and contribute. And what you're talking about there, Cal Raleigh aside, some others aside is mostly the pitching. What's it going to take to do that with the hitting? Yeah. So I've thought about this a lot too. And part of me wonders, and I think we've had this conversation before as well. And I wonder is, is pitching at this point easier to develop? Not that, Pitching is easy to develop because I think, you know, at one point the Mariners, Tigers, and Royals were looked at really in a really similar light in terms of what they had in the system and kind of the high profile pitching and that sort of thing. And we've seen 
the direction that the Mariners have gone and the Tigers and Royals have gone. And part of it were injuries for those teams. And part of it were just players being ineffective. So I'm not taking the uh, developing pitching for granted because I, I don't think it's easy. And But I think the Mariners have really found their niche and what they're trying to do, and they're doing it well. And sometimes I wonder if hitting is just harder to develop. But that's going to be a real key for the Mariners moving forward because we talk about free agency and, and filling holes in free agency, and you alluded to it as well. Like, I'm not sure middle infield what they have soon. Like, who, what, what player in the system position player-wise will be a starter for this team in the near future? I don't know the answer to that. Is it, is it going to be Harry Ford? I don't know. I don't know who that is. So they do have some questions to answer in the system when it comes to position players. I think, I think you feel great about what they're doing pitching wise. And there's some young pitching. I know they're really excited about Dollard and Miller, just to name a couple of Hancock as well, that I think they feel like are are pretty close. Uh, The question is position player wise. And if you're not going to fill those spots with free agency, okay. And from within or with from trade. So you're going to have to fill it one way or another. And, they're fine for this year with Wong in the middle, of course, but then he's a free agent. So we'll see what develops there, but That's yeah. Kind of some of the angst there. They're not, it's a second right. base turned into left field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Right. That's right. I mean, part of me is like next year's next year and Wong really helps this year and is great fit this year. But uh, you know, those are questions they're, try and answer them for themselves as well. So what do you make of, and this is kind of a nervous conversation because if it's a trend, it's not good for the Mariners, but, you know, draft, develop, trade, and extend. There's there's the extra on that. Um, trade has not been very available, according to everybody in the industry this year, and some, you know, it may not be a trend. There have been different, uh, various different answers that come out of there but on that, but part of it is is that, teams can evaluate so much better and that playing field it would appear has pretty much leveled you know you had teams that were on the cutting edge of all the technology and evaluating and now just every team's got something and most of it is very very good and they think that that perhaps is having impact on trades right now uh and what you just said is pitching easier to develop Uh, you know it used to be the pitching the young arms for what was the prize, it would appear the hitters are perhaps right now. But when you are seeing next to no trades, be it for young players or more established players, uh, how concerning is that? I just think in general, it's harder to find offense right now. I mean, I think that's part of it. It's, it's, you know, we've talked about this world of baseball where, you know, the pure stuff that we're seeing pitching wise, and it's a whole staff. Now you just look at the Mariners staff. The pure stuff is ridiculous. It's, one through 13, it's it's wild, the kind of stuff that we're seeing. So I, I just think it's harder to find offense, whether it's trade or free agency. I mean, there's a reason why we're seeing the contracts we are with the free agents available, with DAR free agents were available. I think it's interesting. I do wonder if the Mariners feel like they found a, a niche in, you know, Teoscar Hernandez and Colton Wong. The thing that they have in common is they're on the last year they're de- So have they found a niche where guys on their last year aren't as valued as they used to be? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they have, and it's harder. You know, the Brian Reynolds is the name that keeps coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's, he's not going to come cheap. 
because he's what three years remaining and he's a premium bat. He's really productive and those guys are really hard to find. I mean, that that's the thing is it's just really hard to find offense right now, which I think complicates. It complicates everything. Just offense is offense is down. It's just harder. That you think would have been a good fit on the free agent market offensively. Uh, realistically, not one of the 300,000, right. 300 million dollar players. Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who's like, ah, oh, 12, 13 years. Uh, no. <laughs> that, it's not for me. So I, I always like Michael Conforto. Now, I always say this without knowing, like he didn't play last year and I didn't see his medical. So I don't know. So part of me always feels like it's easy for me to just say, yeah, Michael Conforto. <laughs> but I, I don't have, you know, I don't have all the information. And there's always the other side of it with players too, that I think we get a view of, because we get to know guys a little bit. Like I have no idea if he, if he would have wanted to come here, like the Trey Turner, you know, from all reports we saw, he wanted to play on the East coast. So there's always caveats like that, that, but I think he would have been a fit. Cause I do think the Mariners need an outfielder because I look at uh, their outfield as kind of a four man outfield with kind of a DH slide through. So I kind of look at them needing another outfield bat. Okay. What if I, I, I was, I was on that train forever and I'm off of it now. I think they need a DH. And I think that as long as you have Moore and Haggerty and you've got Marlowe ready to go, I, I don't know that you need somebody to rotate. I, I think you need somebody that's going to be in that order. Yeah. I, I mean, mean because you... assuming that you're fourth and going into the offseason, we thought it was going to be an interchangeable type fourth outfielder, like a substantial bat fourth out, not a fourth outfielder, but another player to right. to rotate through. I don't know that we see that. And if you, I don't want a fourth outfield per se. I would rather have a DH. A more per, I don't think they need because the the argument has always been they like giving guys rest. I'll go ahead and say right. this. They didn't really do that much last. They did it, they, no. and they need to this year, and they've acknowledged that. But until you get into the season and, you know, the feeder to the fire, that is a tough thing to do. But that was, I, I think, the main impetus in that, and they like playing with lineups, and that's great. But if you need to spell a guy, you've got guys that you can throw out there. So why not have that solid bat that you can put in the lineup every day who doesn't need the D off because he is the DH? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm with you. If you find – you need a productive bat. I mean, I think we both we're both in agreement. You need a productive bat. I always thought it was easier to find an outfielder than anything else. But if there's like a DH, I'm all for it. I just you just need there is a spot in the lineup that you need to fill with a productive bat. However you do it. I always thought outfield was the easiest way to do it. Maybe through trade. Well, and I wonder no, if, they, if it got away from them time. because they've been holding on to the outfield idea. If they could have done something yeah. earlier and, and had, but again, it takes two to tango and this is not the friendliest hitting environment. And I do want to get into something because they've talked about that. You know, it's kind of been in the news. Well, some hitters don't want to come here and there is the park and there is the travel. And I don't think people understand the travel aspect of it. <laughs> we do because we do it too. And I always hear, and I just, I just want to put this out here, and you can kind of throw in your, your kind of feelings on this too. The general, when people say, well, it's not that different. 
well, they are flying, you know, luxury flights. They're all chartered flights. And, you know, I don't know why they're complaining about an extra couple of hours or whatever. That's all well and good if you're flying two or three times a year. But when you are flying every other week, the thing that people don't understand is is you are losing so much time at home. It's not the time in the air that is the problem. It's the time that you're not home. It's like if you are a team in any of the centrals, you can be home for dinner on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can leave later on a road trip. You have that time. And the Mariners never have that. And I think that that is kind of the, the tough part of the travel, along with if guys have got uh, kids who are in school. They're not coming out until school's out. It's further. It's tougher to get people places and whatnot. But I, I do think the travel element is very real for some. Yeah, and we experience it, so we know it. Because, uh, you know, when you look at the Mariners' schedule, I think there were seven East Coast trips last year. And as a comparison, I think the Yankees made four, uh, three West Coast trips. So just kind of a apples-to-apples apples comparison. When you schedule, when you see off days, the reality of the Mariners' off days are not off days. They're travel days. Mm-hmm. And during the course, they have three or four at-home true off days where you're not on a plane trying to go somewhere. You know, And they're usually East Coast flights, too, is where you get the off days or where you get the travel day. And you spend a lot more time in the air away from home than especially teams in the Central. I mean, we laugh at, at it all the time. Yeah, some of those, some of those places you can drive to. If you're in Milwaukee, Chicago, you don't have to jump on a plane. And you're right about the your home, your home on a Sunday night, time with the family. It, it is, it's a real thing. It just, it just is. And they make travel as easy as it can be, but it's the time away and the time on the plane and the just how long the flights are and everything else. It's, it's not easy. It is a, a true grind, and especially a grind for the Mariners and a was right up there with the Mariners as well. And perhaps that does get a little bit better with the new schedules that they have, but they're always going to be up in that corner and you're always going to have to fly further. It could get worse, although they do think it's going to get a little bit better. You know, it's funny. The Mariners it seemingly is roughly the same. It's worse for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so it evens, it evens it up in that way. <laughs> So I guess and that's the big joke around the game. As soon as the Yankees get tired of it, they'll move on and they will redistribute the, the divisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll try and figure it out. That's what I this mean, what, is all about is getting to that. <laughs> my my hope is moving forward with the new schedule, it actually gives more opportunities to be smart about the schedule. And so I would like to see, you know, if in New York the Yankees met you know, back to back series while you have it you have the chance to have that opportunity or the giants and A's at the same time, you know, things like that. It actually gives some opportunities to cut down on the miles to the course of the season for a team like the Mariners who travel more than anybody. That'd be weird. We'll like six happens, days in New be, York. Yeah, I know it, the Astro. it happened with the Astros last year. They had a uh, back-to-back series against the Yankees and Mets with an off day in between hmm. one less plane trip. Yeah. Well, of course it happened to the Astros and not <laughs> and not the Mariners. I know that was not lost on me. So looking around the division, what do you see right now? I think the biggest question I get is have the Mariners taken a step? Have they, have they closed some of the distance right now? So I think the answer to that is undetermined. Cause I think 
and I think it was always going to be this way, uh, no matter what they did in the offseason. I think the key to the Mariners' season is going to be improvement from what they already have and the young players they already have. So have they taken the step? That We'll find out. But I always think it was going to be on the young core to take that step, no matter really, no matter what happened. I mean, Tay Oscar Wong is going to help and whoever else they bring in will help. But I think the key has always been the young core. The division's interesting. Uh, I am interested with Houston and to see what happens with them. They're, they're going to be really good for the next couple of years. So don't use what I'm going to say next uh, with, thinking that they're going to fall off the table because they're not. They have a ton of talent and they're going to be really good. I am curious, though, to see what the upheaval in their front office, and I'm not just talking general manager, I'm talking about up and down, uh, how it affects the way they've been uh, able to turn out talent. Because you got to think there's always a lag time with what teams are doing. And Houston right now, their current roster, and especially the rotation, their benefits of what now was two GMs ago. And a lot of those guys are in Baltimore now, and you're seeing what Baltimore's doing. It's not a not a coincidence. So Houston has produced a lot of talent and they've been really good at it. But a lot of those coaches are gone. A lot of the front office is gone. Are they still doing it? I I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe for the next few years we're still gonna see them churn out all the pitching talent. But I'm I'm not hundred percent sure just because all of those people are not in place anymore. Maybe those systems still are, and they're still able to, to be as good as they've been. Now that's not going to help anyone next year because they're going to be really good. No Verlander, but (laughs) the rotation is so deep without him. And what Houston has done so well is Correa walked away, Springer walked away, but they've plugged in Alvarez and Tucker right into those spots. And so offensively, they're going to be just as good or just about pitching wise. They should be just as good. Bullpens can fluctuate. So we'll see how that shakes out. But I, I mean, I still expect them to be going into the season, the favorites in the division, and we'll see how much the Mariners are able to close the gap. I I think the Rangers have gotten a lot better because the pitching, their pitching has struggled so much. And the rotation is going to be better. How many starts will DeGrom make in a Rangers uniform? That's the big question. I have no idea. But that's going to, that's going to make a big difference. I, I don't think – I don't have the Rangers past the Mariners. I don't have the Rangers past the Astros. I think they still have some work to do. I mean, the A's are the A's. They just – they are what they are at this point. And the Angels – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what is their? I feel like their entire year is just going to be one big Otani question. Mm-hmm. It is going to be the overriding theme to everything involving the Angels. And how can it not be? He's going to be the biggest free agent in baseball history next year. Here's and it's going to be the talk. Sorry. It's going to be all the talk. It's going to be everything surrounding the Angels. Oh, it absolutely is. And everywhere he goes, it's going to. Can you imagine? He, he'll be able to put some distance on reporters. But, hey, what do you think of Chicago? What do you think of New York? What do you think of, you know, it's it's going no. to be tough. And just wait. If, if they struggle two out of the gates and, 
you know, the deadline, come, you know, they're a month away from the deadline and they're 20 games back. I mean, can you imagine what just everything surrounding it's going to be a circus? Well, and that'll be a tough one for them because I don't know if people realize, but the advertising dollars are all tied to Enormous. him playing. In and once he leaves, the advertising dollars go. Not at the end of the season, they go when he goes. So yeah. if they were to trade him, then what is worthwhile? It's for them to lose that money. How much are they going to get back? He's he would be, I think it's a tough call for them to make along those lines. Yeah, and it's I mean, who knows what he's gonna do. It's hard to imagine him resigning long term with the Angels after the fact. Maybe he will, but if you're the Angels Man, I'm I'm glad I'm not making that call. I wouldn't no. want to be the one spitting on Tony. <laughs> no, no. Well, and you probably won't be there the next year either because they're going to be sold. So you might as well trade Otani. You might as well. <laughs> I think That's... we've we've seen similar things before in opposite order. Because <laughs> it's funny, it, and it's the market has gone away from getting a lot for a rental because he would be a rental at that point, just mm-hmm. a, a two month. But he is a game changing rental. If he's healthy and doing his thing, like a top of the rotation guy with an MVP quality bat at the deadline, like that's that's the kind of quality at the deadline that's just unique and absurd, really. And if you're a team that was going for him in the offseason as a free agent, and maybe it's your chance, maybe you look at it as your chance to impress him and hey stay here you know that sort of thing i don't know you know it's gonna be interesting because when he came over the first time everything was new i mean he had he knew where he was going that seemed fairly obvious once everything had all played out he should know even more right now he's Mm -hmm. been in the league yeah i don't think it's going to be a situation because whatever he gets paid is going to be ridiculous i think this is going to be more of what he thinks will be best for him yeah and Along those lines, this is going to be the most unique free agency we've ever seen, unique player we've ever seen. Because if you're a team and thinking about signing Otani to X number of years, just say 10, just for the sake of using a number, like how how long are you counting on him being the dual MVP guy? Because I don't think – I mean, how long can a player at this level – do both those things and be this good. I mean, you can't expect that the length of a contract. I just don't think that's realistic. So what, what do you expect when you're thinking about an Otani contract? Like what is, and how do you talk is, to him about that? Yeah. What One is wrong be? step and it's just all over. I just, I, it's so unique and I have no idea how it's going to shake out, but it's going to be so fascinating. He's he's amazing. I I love him. We talk about him all the time. Like I always think he's the MVP just because of what he he's doing both at such a high level. I I think it's so absurd. And I feel I feel lucky that we get a chance to see. You know, it's how I feel felt about Mike Trout and still about Mike Trout. Where it's this man. I feel so fortunate that I get to see him all the time, and then he hits a home run into the upper deck in right field. And it's like, man, I'm really, you know, it's, the, it's the love hate. It's super, except for the Mariners. It's, it's not as much fun, but he is, he's incredible. Well, story one B on the angels could be, you know, the trout watch, not that he's going anywhere, but the health 
uh, issue with yeah. him. And I think that what he's dealing with, he'll be able to deal with, but he just, they have not been able to keep him on the field in, in yeah. recent years. And how much is that a factor going forward as well? You know, the angels have been such a big part. You know, I'm always thinking about just how teams build rosters and how it's always kind of evolving and changing. And the angels have actually been a team that's kind of shaped how I currently look at things and just how important development is. Cause we've seen the angels, like when's the last starting pitcher impact starting pitcher they've been able to develop. And I, I'm not saying anything that people haven't said before, but just watching Mike Trout and the star he's been for all these years and just, they've not been able to surround him and they've, they've tried. I mean, they've spent money doing it, but you, you look at the players they've developed the past decade. He's been there and it's, it's a pretty short list. And it, to me, it just keeps coming back to, to developing no matter how you your team, whether you want to be a team like the Phillies that really does the core through free agency, or you want to be a team like the Astros who have done it within and trades, like you have to, even if you're a team like the Phillies, you have to supplement that somehow. You just, you can't buy a 26 man roster, which really is a 30 some man roster because of the amount of players you have to use for the course of the season. So one way or another, you have to find a way to develop guys. You have to. And the angels are prime example to me of a team that just hasn't done it well. Yeah. And they seem like they're direct every off season. Yes. What are they going right. to do? And they always come up short. They don't have, you know, enough in the pen or they don't have enough in the starting rotation or they don't have enough depth. Yeah. And they don't have their thing. Cause some teams like Cleveland, they've had their thing with the starting rotation where out of the blue, they've been able to come up with one guy after another or Tampa Bay with the way they use their pitching staff. Mariners so, with their bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Even, Teams that don't have the same resources that match up with others. And I think I always think of a team like the Pirates who would be searching for whatever that thing is, whatever mm -hmm. that advantage is that teams like Cleveland and Tampa Bay have been able to find. So back to the development, the farm system, I think some people look at whether, where the ratings are right now and panic a little bit. We've talked about it on the podcast before. I know you and I have talked about it. Um, farm system ratings are going to go, they're going to fluctuate. You know, you obviously yeah. have players that graduate, and so you fall a bit. Um, Mariners, by some measure, have taken a huge, huge fall, but uh, there seems to be a belief that it will be very quickly because of the have and the draft picks that they have there's so much at a lower level right now so two-part question uh the health of the farm system in your eyes and do they have enough to make a trade for say a brian reynolds it's a good let's start let's start with the reynolds question that's a really good question because i don't know what they're asking for i have a feeling it's going to be a lot right and <laughs> like i would get the sense like i i don't know I don't know what other teams are offering, but this is a, are they asking for George Kirby? Like what, are, what are they asking for exactly would be my first question. So I, I don't know the answer to that. They do have a lot and they do have, if you're a team like the pirates that is looking for pitching, and this is where I think development also helps you. If you're the pirates and you're trading with an organization, like it's pretty attractive to trade with a Mariners organization that has churned out, some really good pitching. And if you're trading for just the Millers or Hancocks of the world who are at the upper levels of a system, I think you'd feel pretty good about, about that. I don't know what it would take, but that's kind of how I look at it. I think the Mariners system is pretty 
there's kind of a, they traded out of how I guess I kind of look at a middle portion of the system. Like they have some guys I feel like that are on the cusp, you know, the Hancocks, Dollars, Millers of the world. Uh, a lot of the positional talent I feel like is younger that you alluded to, you know, the Harry Fords of the world. But it feels like, seems like they have some real impact at the lower levels. And it's always a guessing game how quickly that moves. So like the Martes of the world kind of hollowed out the middle portion, but I do think they'll bounce back in terms of rankings. And I do feel like what they're doing with pitching, there are going to be players that we're not talking about that aren't on lists that are going to have impact. Mm. It's just, that's what's happened. That's what they've been able to do. Like we will get to spring training this year and someone is going to be throwing 98 miles per hour who was throwing 94 last year it's gonna it's that kind of thing that they keep doing it's guys that we're not talking about and we're gonna be on some backfield or something or a bullpen right there in peoria and it's gonna be like whoa what's this what's happening here because that keeps happening you're getting chilly in your office again aren't you (laughs) you just went back to arizona Warm thoughts. I was thinking about the sunshine. Yeah, (laughs) There's not a lot of furnace worries in Peoria. No, there really aren't. I'm just heating the pool. That's about the only thing that you have to worry about down there. Uh, One other thing I was thinking about, just off topic, uh, because you mentioned J.P. Crawford. I I was kind of thinking about one of the keys for next year for me. Uh, And it's, you know, Colton Wong has always been an elite defender, but the Mets struggled with the metrics last year and JP didn't have the same kind of year. When you look at the metrics that he's had, especially two years ago and the year after I'm really interested in the middle infield defense, especially with Wong at second base, especially with the shift coming in. And if, if both those players get closer to where they were last year and two years ago, how much of an impact that can have for the Mariners. No, it's going to be big, and it's going to look so different. I've kind of started getting ready for spring training and the things that we're going to be looking at. And we keep talking all about the shift, and obviously that's going to be very different both offensively and defensively, how do the pitchers react to it. But, you know, we're also looking at the pitch clock. We're going to have to, you know, manage, you know, kind of just take a look and how's that going to impact the running game? What are the strategies going to be there? How are the pitchers going to adapt to it? We are getting set for what is going to be a very different, and the travel is going to be completely different this year, too. The schedules are going to be completely different. This is going to be a very different season that is coming up, and we'll start with spring training and all the things that we are going to look at. It's not going to be a lot of new players, but there are going to be so many different, uh, you know, just how are they going to manage this, and how is that going to impact the game, and who is it going to impact the most? It'll be very, very interesting in uh, what is coming up. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, that was, that was Satchel, the dog. <laughs> joint something, yeah, <laughs> looks like there's a bear behind you right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Satchel's fine. Satchel's very furry. So Satchel's dealing with the furnace outage much better than most of us. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting. You just brought up, what, four or five different aspects. And, you know, individually we can all talk about because they're all interesting. But I'm also, I'm just, how they all interlock with one another and how that's just going to change how we watch the game. And to me, it's the most interesting thing about spring training. It's going to feel like a dry run, just kind of watching all these new things for the very first time and games that don't count, but at least we get to see 
kind of how things are going to look and how they play out. And like Diego Castillo, what is his, what's his routine going to look like now? Is, is he, <laughs> just going to have to do it a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it just same thing, just faster? Is it just like a frenzy or are we cutting a couple things out? I, I mean, I do love the routine. So I hope you just, I'd like to see it more quickly. I, I am really curious to see how it all plays out. Um, the shift thing is really interesting to me. Like I, I have read everything I've read about it. It's just, it's just wildly, no one really knows. And I've read things where it's going to be a, a massive impact and add like yeah. runs. In, and then I've seen it's going to have minimal. I always felt like it was more on the minimal end because it's going to feel like when a guy hits a rocket up the middle and the shortstop is still standing behind second base. It's why I always feel like oh, it's not really a shift band. To me, it feels like a shift modification, really, right. because it, there's still going to be times where it feels like a shift, but I do think that left-handed yeah. pull hitters, it's going to make a difference. Yeah, no more rover. Oh, well, you have could have the rover. It just can't be the infielder at that point. You know, I thought about that too. Uh, I think for a guy like Joey Gallo, for example, bringing the left fielder over and plugging that spot is realistic. But I do think, you know, this sounds dumb because you know, you're just going from left left field to theoretically, if you were taking your left fielder and putting them in the rover spot where the second baseman used to stand, that's not that far. But if you're a team and looking at sending a guy back and forth with a pitch clock, so it's not like before where a pitcher could like step off and wait yeah. for the out back and forth, like you'd be asking your left fielder, to not sprint, but do a pretty good jog back and forth. And in the era where we're measuring health and measuring how many, how much we're putting on players in terms of what they're doing during the game. Like, are we asking a left fielder to go like run two miles during the course of a game in that spot? So I can see it on occasion, but not in practice often well, it's one more reason you need young jared kelnick to take that step forward he can handle yeah. that <laughs> yeah he can do that he'd be fine that's part of your job now jared a little bit more running you can handle it yeah you know one of the things and we'll wrap this up i really appreciate the time that you're taking today one of the things and i i've this has been great i mean if the mariners were going to take a break i was going to take a little bit of a break too this is the <laughs> most unplugged i've been in 10, 15 years in an off season. And it, it's actually, yeah. it's needed and nice. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's, uh, well, hopefully it turns into even better coverage, and, and you know, in, in, as we get into the new year. But it, there's been no escaping that there is a, a certain sector of the fan group that is just very dissatisfied for various reasons of where the Mariners are and what they haven't done as of yet. And again, I'm right with you. I'm like, thank goodness. It's passion. It's they they are passionate. They want more. And um I can appreciate that fan and it, it's a lot better than silence and apathy, which um you know, they were entitled to for a long time. This team kind mm -hmm. of floundered for a long time. Kind of having an idea of what the plan is and hoping that they stay committed to it and it is going to lead to turning over good talent and continuing uh, to win and competing year in and year out. Something that nobody knows. They haven't done that. You know, you haven't had that experience. That that will be great if that's what happened. But at the same time, 
you know, while I didn't expect one of the big $300 million players, I was a little bit disappointed when some names came off the board. There were names that I thought could have helped on the short term, and I'm like, well, why didn't they sign this person? And I am of the belief that you do need to use dollars to kind of shore up positions so you can trade and get other things. I, I'm there. I, I was not for the seismic changes this year. I definitely was last year. Uh, not as much this year because I do think that I'm with you, 13 years, 10 years, these players, that, that is tough to swallow. And Let's be honest, I don't think any of them wanted to come to Seattle, so that's probably not even worth the conversation. But there were some where, you know, there were some players that I came around on late, some that I liked early. Andrew Benintendi, I thought he would look great in this lineup. Five years? Probably not. Um, You know, I I came uh, around on Josh Bell, and I kid you not, a half hour after I came around on him, he signed. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah, yeah, Uh, so that's not good. But something, and I've been going through things with this extra time, and I've been reading posts and listening to sound and kind of putting myself back in, in, in time. And you were around it, and I was around it, and we were right there. This team, well, I may think that they need more. I don't know how much you think they need more, and others certainly do. This year, they sure as heck didn't think they did. They, their belief was, they truly believed that they were a World Series team at the end of this year. And I don't think that's just belief in, you know, your, why can't I, I can't think of the name of it because it hasn't been on in three years and it should be your Ted Lasso. Where's Ted Lasso? Come back, Ted Lasso. I mean, these guys are all going to have to be retired. They're going to be 60 by the time they get back out on the pitch. No, it was what they it was the talent that they saw around them and the development that you talk about and knowing that they will continue to development and being a player and understanding that a Julio was very rare, that the quick turnaround that Cal Raleigh made and being a switch hitting smart catcher is very real. And the pitching that you talked about earlier in the game, having that much young pitching is very rare. I think they understood the value of that. And uh, I, I think from the front office to the uh, Scott service believed that there was more there. There was no time that I felt in the second half of this year that they were going to be happy with just getting in or just Mm -hmm. winning a wild card round. This team really believed that they were there. Yeah. Team belief. Yeah, we saw that. I think we'll see it again coming into spring training because you mentioned it's, it's the core is back. I mean, the core is coming back. I'm with you too on free agency. And I do, you know, I talked, I guess, uh, talking down free agency a lot in this, but I do like to see players get paid. I do think free agency is good and is a very useful tool. It can certainly plug holes. And I think I was with you. I think there are players that uh, would have and are still there can help the Mariners uh, plug a spot. As we talked about, you know, there there is an open spot in the lineup, whether it's an outfielder slash DH, whatever. There is an open spot that I think they need to figure out. But I think overall that people should feel pretty good going into the season, should be pretty excited going into the season, given what they have and what we saw last year, but what they have coming into this year. Because – you know, they had a 91 season last year. They have Luis Castillo for an entire season this year. And I don't think I don't think we should gloss over the fact or if you had given me the choice of signing Castillo to a five-year extension or signing a free agent 
pitcher that was on the market, like I'm taking steel all day, like all day. So, uh, the fact you have him for an entire season heading the rotation, I think is enormous. I actually think there's room to grow with Cal Raleigh as a hitter as well. There there's room there. I don't think he is just final slash and his final slash looks like more of a pure slugger. I think there's in there as well. And I think he has some room to grow. Now the, the question with Cal Raleigh and Julio it's year two. So, and as we know, development in, in majors isn't always like this steady stream upwards. There, there's some bumps in the road. So I think asking both of them to take like leaps forward in year two is not realistic, but I, there's room to grow for both of them in year two, which is phenomenal. I actually think they're a better team than last year. I actually think too, Teoscar is a massive signing or a, a massive addition. Like, I, I think he is a huge bat in the middle of the order. It's, it's funny because uh, I, th- I can't remember if you were part of this conversation, Shannon. I know I was talking with Blow and Aaron Goldsmith before one of the playoff games. And it was, you know, we were just talking about the matchup against the Blue Jays and kind of what scared us about the Blue Jays. And, you know, there's two guys in their lineup that's obvious. Vlad Guerrero and Bichette are kind of obvious. But, you know, a guy that we talked about was Taylor. Hernandez and a guy that you don't want to see if he comes up in a close game with two guys on base he's a scary dude because when I think about hitting now I think about the most important thing is to hit the ball as hard as you can as often as you can and that's what he does that's what made Cal's season so great. He's one of the barrel leaders in baseball. It's what makes Julio who he is. He hits the ball as hard as anyone in baseball, as consistently as anyone. And Teoscar's on all those lists too. He's a true middle-of-the-order bat that I think is going to be enormous in this lineup. I, I, I think they're a better team. They, and people can say they have enough, which is fine. It's fine to have that opinion. But they are a better team, I think, right now than they were to end the year and i hope they do add to it before we head to head to spring yeah i would be shocked if we didn't see an addition and i cannot wait to see what it is but um i just you know you're, they're building off something very good last year and quite frankly the year before and uh, they learned a lot and they will take yeah. those steps or they'll have the opportunity to take those steps forward last year was not a finished product by any means in the the core that they were building. And uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see them uh, right out of the gates with all of what they gained last year. And hopefully we don't see anything like we saw last, what was it, May? <laughs> we can, we can. That's the thing. We've seen that a couple of times now recently where May has been a tough month. I mean, that's going to be something that I think will be a conversation piece for us early in the ball game to not, early in the season rather, to not dig yourself the <laughs> hole where you have to come back from a, you know, an X number of game deficit, a seven, eight game deficit to get into the postseason. Like it's we just, know you can do it, but, <laughs> yeah. but let, how about let's, uh, if you just even out, think about what last season would have looked like with just an evened out may. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like even a 500 or a game or two below 500 may just what the, the overall season would have looked like. And yeah, that's the win streak was fun though. If that was a product of that, then. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you don't right. want to put yourself in that position, obviously. Yeah. 
All right, my friend, that was a ton that we covered. And there's going to be more baseball talk coming up next week, I understand. The, the Hot Stove Show is going to return. Back. It's back. We're going to be Tuesday. Shannon, I know you're going to miss this one, but you'll be on, uh, dare say, most of them. Am I, am I too forward to say most of them? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty soon in Arizona. Be, you will be featured, which will be great. So first <laughs> one coming up this Tuesday. Uh, I'd like to tell you who's going to be on the show, but I have no idea. No yet. idea. So it's going to be great. <laughs> I have complete faith that it will be. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully you get the heat back pretty soon. And if not, uh, well, hot stove just right around the corner. Gary, thank you. Thanks, Shannon. This was fun. All right. That was joining us on the podcast, and we will do it again soon.